You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, delicious friends, and welcome to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, with me, your host, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books. It has been an interesting week. I had the live show in Dublin on Saturday, and then I was just gallivanting for a couple days. But yeah, things things got a bit wild during the week there, because, how would I put this, um, I talked about a few religious things, and some people were not happy with that. And caused a bit of a commotion, especially the stuff about St. Bridget. Now, I'm probably going to talk about that another time and do like a full episode on Bridget because she deserves it. Like, I might do a show next year during in bulk about Bridget 1, I guess Bridget Ella, and see how we get on. Now, (laughs) if you're new here, I warn you. This is what happens at the beginning of every episode. I have we chat about my life and I share it because I like to share a little bit of me with you and not just like tell you a straight story because I do tell you a straight story in the end. But I get people like DMing me and messaging me and we chat back and forth on Patreon and on like Instagram and things like that as well. Like there's options for you know, having discussions. And I feel like we're having a chat. Like, you're my pal. And I'm telling you a story. You know, like I'm telling you gossip, you know, or whatever. And I like that about this, that it's not just me going, and then the Berlin Wall fell. Because I think it's important for us to have a connection in some way, if that makes sense. But I actually got a two-star review. A two-star. I mean, I mean, I appreciate that it wasn't a one-star. But the complaint was, I rambled for nine minutes before the actual episode started. First of all, this is the episode. Just laying down some ground rules. Once you press play, that's the episode started. It's just nine minutes until I started providing information regarding historical person or whatever. 
And I had to think, like, what was I doing? That I was talking for nine minutes. And I was either talking about the rights of women, which, I don't know, feels fairly important, or I was discussing, um, like, a live show event or um, something coming up, and I was giving you information about it. And it just felt like such a dick move. So if you haven't, um... (laughs) so petty of me if you haven't given me a five-star review on like spotify or you know uh apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts you should do it because screw that person because we're awesome speaking of awesome so this week's episode is about william dorsey swan and i am so excited to tell you about this person because to our knowledge as far as we know This is the first drag queen, LGBT activist, like, this is a major player and we know fucking nothing. Like, very few information exists about William Dorsey Swan and I wouldn't be able to celebrate amazing people in history, you know? Not just talk about all the bad stuff people did. I mean, we have to because we can't hide from it and we shouldn't. But I want to celebrate people, especially because it is currently Black History Month in the US and LGBTQ History Month in sort of the UK and Ireland. And, you know, I hum and haul over like what to do and what to discuss and who I should be, you know, telling you about. And when I've got someone like this who overlaps and who we don't really know about and should be told. That makes it perfect. Now, I could tell you about horrible things that happen to people of colour. I could do that. But I think especially this month, I don't have that fucking right. I am whiter than a mayonnaise sandwich. Like, I am so pale, I'm practically blue. And I think that, especially during Black History Month, that we should be celebrating the unknowns or, you know, the should-be-knowns. Because they deserve to have their story told and we deserve to hear it. You deserve to hear it. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, quit your jibble-jabber and fact me. And fact you I will. But first, we've got to get our source on. Our sources are House of Swan where slaves became queens by Channing Gerard Joseph William Dorsey Swan The Queen of Drag by Natasha Curry The first self-proclaimed drag queen was a formerly enslaved man by Carrie Shane Records of the Office of Pardon Attorney NAID 16512845 Yeah, but you weren't expecting something proper on here. Yeah, I look through records, which is one of my favourite things to do. Listen, we all have hobbies. Finally, we have our favourites. History.com, Biography.com and Smithsonian.com. Are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then let's begin. William Dorsey Swan was born William Henry Junker in Washington County, Maryland, USA, 1858. He was born to Mary Jane Junker and Andrew Jackson Swan. 
Mary Jane, she was, I don't want to say a housekeeper because she was enslaved. So she was an enslaved housekeeper. And Andrew Jackson Swan, he was a wheat farmer, an enslaved wheat farmer. I mean, I suppose an enslaved laborer is probably the better term. And he's also a musician. So they are slaves. They have 12, 13 children who are slaves because that's how chattel slavery works. You are a slave, your ancestors are slaves, and your children are slaves. Now you may notice, one, that we actually have a birthday for Swan, which is shocking because it's, you know, an enslaved person from the past. And all I can think of is the, the pessimistic side of me is like, maybe people were just, I say people, white people were just really good at keeping receipts, you know, which really just sucks because people are not property, basic, basic human rights. So Swan and his 12 siblings and his mum and his dad, they are all the legal property of Anne Murray, a white woman who owned a plantation. So yeah, he's born on a plantation as a slave and he grows up working for this woman. I say working, but you know, doing stuff without pay or compensation for labour um, for the next four years until Union soldiers arrive in the winter of 1862. And they're like, yeah... Anne, Anne, Anne. You can't even do that though. You know, you can't own people. It's kind of wrong. So basically, after the end of the American Civil War, you know, they're freed. So the family is freed and his parents manage to purchase a land, or a plot of land, in order to, you know, set up their own farm. Now, you may have also noticed that he started life with a different name. And the reason his surname is Junker, not Swan, is because enslaved people could not legally marry, technically, because they weren't seen as humans. And this resulted in William legally taking the surname of his mother and not his dad. But once you know freedom came about, he was able to actually have his father's surname. Which, of course, back in the day, big deal. I mean, it's bad enough. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry. My brain just had a little sparky explosion in it. Now, you know this uh, very racist concept of uh, black men not supporting their families and abandoning, like, could this, like, initial stereotype sort of spring from this era where children would not necessarily take, you know, the, the name of their parents um, in an era where lineage is, is very important, but they wouldn't necessarily take the name of their dad because they couldn't legally because of, you know, the not being able to marry. Do you think maybe that's a... That's a part of it, perchance. Anyway, 
Point being, gets his dad's name and he ends up living with, you know, his family. And so he's on the farm. And then as he gets older, he gets a job as a waiter because, you know, he needs money um, to survive, which is just a general, a general way of life. So he ends up moving away from his family um, and going to Washington, D.C., to the capital because that's where the jobs are. And so he goes there in order to make more money and support his family. And so he goes there and he starts working as a janitor at the Spencerian Business College owned by Henry and Sarah Spencer. Now, it has been suggested that it's during this time where he's working at the business college that William learns to read and write. See, this is a period of time where literacy levels are not high at the best of times. Like, if you are from a lower class or a working class, like, chances that you're literate, not great, to be honest. So the fact that William can read and write as a former slave is a huge fucking deal. Like, it either means that his parents went to a massive effort to ensure that he had an opportunity to actually move forward in life or that William had the fucking tenacity and the absolute balls, sorry to chalk anybody from last week, had the absolute balls to come forward and put the effort in and the drive to learn to read and write. Like, it's not an easy task if you haven't done it, like, as a young child. Like, it's it's tough. And he's doing this. So, like, the assumption is that he learned to do it while he was at the college, although we don't have any, like, evidence to suggest that. He could have very well been taught by someone, like, back in his hometown. He could have done that. But he can read and write. And things are going okay for William, and it's it's relatively uneventful. Until 1882, where he is arrested because he stole a bunch of shit. He is taken to court and he pleads guilty for stealing books and party supplies from the Washington Library Company and from stealing a bunch of stuff that we don't actually know what he took, but he took things, stuff. Gizmos and gadgets are plenty. Who's it's and what's it's galore? You want thingamabobs? Oh, he's got 20. Which he pilfered from the home of his bosses, Henry and Sarah Spencer. So he is sentenced to seven months in jail for, like, collectively for these crimes. So William Dossie Swan... So he's in jail for petty larceny and something weird happens. So his sentencing judge, the judge who like sentenced him to the jail time, the assistant district attorney, employees of the Washington Library Company and his employers, the, the Spencers, they apply for a petition of pardon. So effectively, um, President Grover Cleveland, he had these, um, like an option of a, like a presidential pardon, you know, for people who don't deserve to be in jail, who deserve a pardon. So this petition is signed 
And they basically state that he was just trying to get an education and help his family. And the judge is like, other people who were involved in this crime were already let go. So like, this seems a bit harsh slash unfair slash a wee bit racist, you know? And his employers are talking about how great a character he is and how they're just going to give him his job back once he gets out of jail and it's, you know, a lifetime job, doesn't have to worry. And this is like my favourite thing is they, they're talking about his character and I'm going to do my foghorn leghorn voice, so just appreciate it. He was free from vast, industrious, refined in his habits and associations, gentle in his disposition, courteous in his bearing. That is my foghorn leghorn voice. It, it needs some work, but you know, it's getting there. So basically they're saying that he is just a good, kind, wonderful dude. He's just trying to better himself and do right by his family and that he deserves to, you know, get out. So like, yeah, you've got all of these people approving it, you know, the assistant US district attorney, the judge, all of these employees and his employers, like everybody's all like, let this man out of jail, you pricks. Now, we don't actually know if, if the pardon went through. We don't have that documentation, but we know it was, like, applied for. So eventually, William gets out of jail, he goes back to work, and he starts hosting these parties for his community. And so they happen in different places. So sometimes they would be in somebody's house, sometimes it would be the YMCA, they were secret affairs, invitation only. Um, well, I say invitation only. Like, people would just show up sometimes. For some, it was like a known secret, an open secret, and for others, it was not that. And so these drag parties would happen. Now, and now to get nerdy about words. So these parties are happening, and they're basically like, balls so they're dressing up in fabulous outfits and it's sort of what would become like the ballroom scene you know the ball I should say and um, if you've seen Pose go watch Pose and you'll get an idea and so it was like these drag shows and they would have these groups and they would just sort of show off their fabulous like skills and moves and attire and the whole thing about drag like the name the word is that it could come from two separate sort of concepts one is your glad rags now glad rags are sort of your fancy clothes you're going out clothes you're going out out clothes because you're going out out you're fancy you know you are the bee's knees you are fab you Lus, darling. And so it could come from that or it could come from grand rag, which is a term for a masquerade ball. So we've got these two very sort of viable options and I'd be happy if it comes from either way, but that's basically where the, the word drag comes from. Or we think we don't have like a proper thing. <laughs> uh, we don't have a proper etymological sort of tree for it, but there, there it is. There it is. 
So William Darcy Swan is hosting these parties and he is known as Queenie Swan or Mother Swan sort of at these events. And there are butlers and coachmen and many, many former enslaved people, including one Mr. Lafayette. Lafayette! Um, I can't help myself. Um, Pierce Lafayette was once a slave. He was the property of the vice president of the Confederate States of America. Alexander H. Stevens. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, no. So these parties were absolutely amazing. They would do sort of singing and dancing. They would do talent competitions. They would have galas where they would parade in their outfits. And they would do this um, cakewalk. Now, or their version of a cakewalk. Now, the cakewalk was um, a sort of act, a dance, a performance, which mocked slave owners. And I think that's, there's just something fucking beautiful about that. And that was one of the thing that people would do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Helena Bonham Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes, a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. So, there was, the people who would go there, like, it wasn't just, you know, the gay community. There were straight men there. They were um, white men, black men. There was just, like, a huge crowd. Now, remember how I said these parties were, like, an open secret? So, it gets to the point where the police are getting tips. They're being tipped off on this, right? And they, they are informed of this scandalous escapade where there are black men in full female costumes. They are cross-dressing. Now, during this time, like these laws are coming in about cross-dressing and across the US, it is becoming illegal to wear clothes of the opposite gender. Um, So whatever you are presenting, whether it's male or female, you have to, like, wear the clothes of, you know, your assigned gender at birth, effectively. So this is going around and they get this tip off about this party and there's, like, men in costumes, but only men, black men, which is somehow worse, okay? You know, because racism. And they, they 
break in to a party. I say they break in. They raid the party in L Street Northwest, right? In Swan's beautiful home, which apparently was decorated very tastefully, which I'm not surprised. Clearly the man had taste. So there are men in gowns. And there are drums and fiddles and banjos and they're just having a swell time. But they get arrested and shit goes down, yada yada yada. And the next year, it happens again. But it's on his 30th birthday party. So it's William Dorsey Swan's party and the police fucking show up. And there's Pierce Lafayette and a bunch of other dudes. And they are all in... Like makeup and powdered wigs and these big fancy costumes, and you know they're they're dancing, they're having a good time, they're just living their best lives as they can, you know, relatively you know lower rungs of society in you know the nineteenth century, not super, but you know doing their best with the hand they have been dealt. And again, the police have to crash the fucking party like Buzz Killington. And they decide that swan soirees don't deserve, you know, to happen. Because, whatevs. So, they raid the party. And, um, I'm not going to say the word. Um, but there's an article headline which basically says, N-word, dive raided. And were dive raided. Thirteen black men dressed as women, surprised at supper, and arrested. Listen, if they're gonna be racist, I'm gonna do my foghorn leghorn voice, okay? That's just how it works. So basically, the police just being absolute ball bags, by the way, but they are handled by Swan himself. Because he has been dealing with this a long bloody time like he's used to being raided he's used to like having to deal with this shit from the cops right and so instead of you know letting them just burst through and do their thing William says fuck this for a game of soldiers and physically blocks the door and he physically holds the cops back just by blocking the space that a bunch of people manage to escape Like, people are jumping out of windows, you know, they're hiding in cupboards, which is, you know, literally hiding in closets. Not the best move, lads, but do what you need to do. But I think, like, nearly 20 people managed to escape because of this. And all in all, 12 men end up being arrested. Visvon is just there, standing up to them. And he does so in a cream satin dress. Okay, first of all, This dress is dry clean only, Melanie. And secondly, if William is going to do something, he is going to do it in style. So the police manage to get in and they fucking tear the dress to shreds. They're probably just so incensed that he has the goal to stand up to them and also do it so well. Well, in a gown? Like, probably looking like a beautiful debutante. Like, gorgeous. I bet it was gorgeous, you know? Mmm. But, like, my favourite part is, like, he's standing there, blocking the door, and, you know, this 
long cream satiny silky gown and straight up says to the officers, you is no gentleman. Like, I love the fact that then a fight ensues and like he's just physically fighting the police in a gown, which again does get torn to shreds because of course they do. But still, fucking yes, William. So, by doing this, by performing this action, by standing up to the police and physically stopping them, like, this is probably one of the first, I think, one of the first cases of, like, resistance and violent activism um, in sort of the name of LGBTQ rights. You know, this is, this is why William Dorsey Swan is an activist, because he did so much to protect members of his community. He protected his friends, you know, he's just fucking amazing. Now, over the next few years, the parties just kind of move around, right? Because they have to hold them secretly, because the police are fucking raiding everything, right? And for the next, like, eight years, we don't really hear or see much of of like Swan's activities like we don't know what's kind of going on until 1896 when the shit hits the fan and William Dorsey Swan gets arrested for holding a gala for the second time on the 1st of January he is charged with keeping a disorderly house which is basically a euphemism for running a brothel because, you know, gay people can't exist in places unless they're shagging. Um, which is the rule of it. Um, he's, he's holding a drag ball, but he's accused of basically holding an orgy. Because those are the same thing, according to these weird Puritans. It's fucking ridiculous. Now, I'm going to try and read this article from the 1896... Uh, <laughs> evening star I'm going to try and do that um, without reading the racist bits so I'm going to try because paraphrasing, it's fine okay, I am going to do the foghorn leghorn voice so prepare to suffer William Dorsey Swan at whose house number 1504 L Street Northwest a drag was raided about two weeks ago and who was convicted in the police court last week of a charge of keeping a disorderly house was sentenced to 10 months in jail by George Miller today. I said, I said. This was the case in which a number of men were found in this place which George Miller characterized as a hell of iniquity. There were several men reported to be of character of Swan of the character of Swan, and during the trial of the case in court, there appeared young men of respectable parentage who told of how they had visited this place, danced, and indulged in strong drink of all kinds. From beer to champagne, a large stock of liquors found on the premises was in court as evidence, but Dorsey said he didn't have to buy the liquor. In disposing of the case, Judge Miller told the fearful revelations made at the trial, the downfall and ruin of young men, and said he only wished he had the power to impose a ten-year sentence. Bit harsh, mate? Bit harsh? I would like to send you where you would never see a man's face. 
said the judge, and would like then to rid the city of all other disreputable persons of the same kind. Thieving and petty assaults amount to nothing as compared with the conduct of these people. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, assault, assault. This judge, this judge is saying assault as a lesser crime than being a homosexual. Let's consider that for a moment, shall we? You know, it's okay to, you know, assault a person, to punch a child in the face, to stab that elderly person in the eye. That is not even remotely as bad as being gay. Like, what in the name of Dolores Abernathy is this? What absolute fucking bullshit is this nonsense? But anyway, William Dorsey Swan, on the 3rd of January 1896, pleads not guilty after this weirdly quick, see, racist, trial. And I say racist, it's also homophobic because it's the 19th century. And he is sentenced to 10 months in jail. Maybe less with good behaviour, but effectively. For the crime of being homosexual and having a party. Just so we're clear on what's happening. So three months into his sentence, Swan files a petition of pardon. Basically saying that, you know, he's a respectable hard worker, he's had continuous employment, and that the sentence was severe in comparison to the crime and that if he was released he would live a proper and law-abiding life. So he gets his petition and then his friends, 30 of them, um, are signatories on it. So 30 other people, whether they're from the drag community or, or other elsewise, they sign this petition because they're like, he deserves to be out. They sign it in a show of support, right? Now, when this gets to the US attorney, A.A. Burney, this isn't met with the same sort of fervour and appreciation that his, like, 1882 petition was, you know? He wasn't happy with William Dorsey Swan's life. He basically says that the petition is without merit because um, he's charged with having a disorderly house because running a brothel which he's accused of effectively and because running a brothel is like so much worse than lesser crimes and that he was corrupting other people so like corrupting you know decent you know young men see rich and white as if it's his fault his parties are so awesome that everybody wants to go to them like come on so while the pardon is still under review, so like before it even gets to the president, right, for an official pardon, William Dorsey Swan's friends start calling the US Attorney's Office because they're worried about William's health. So William has sort of a heart issue and they're like, he's not well enough to be in prison. And the doctor who had said he had like a clean bill of health mm, conveniently beforehand in March of that year, 
Like, he comes back in July and he's like, yeah. His ticker is not super. Saying he's got like a disease of the heart and, you know, not exactly tip-top health-wise. And so they're trying to get the pardon to go through on the basis of his health. But President Grover Cleveland denies to issue a pardon on the 29th of July in 1896. Because um, again, the whole concept is that the conditions of jail are not conducive to, you know, living a healthy life with a, you know, a dodgy ticker, a dodgy heart. So Grover Cleveland, President Grover Cleveland, he says that the implications of Dorsey Swan's health were not sufficient to counter the character of his offence. So basically, if he has a heart attack and dies, like, that's fine because he's gay. Like, because the severity of the crime of being a gay man hosting a party means that you deserve to suffer ill health and jail. Like, what what sane person? I mean, I understand this is the past, but that's a fucking extreme view, man. Now, you can be like, well, it was a different time. Yet, that only works if there aren't people, you know, batting for the underdogs, if there aren't people standing up to this. And clearly, there are. Otherwise, we would not be in this fucking situation, would we? So he serves his sentence. He does his time, right? Does it. Comes back out. And what does he do? He still hosts his parties. The drag happens. So, like, throughout this time, over his lifetime, um, sort of William Dorsey Swan gets known as, like, Queenie Swan to his friends, Mother Swan even, and refers to himself specifically as the Queen of drag, like the first drag queen, right? And this is him. Now, we don't know if Dorsey Swan would be what we would call transgender nowadays. We don't have that information and we don't have the ability to to ask that. And even sort of the concept of gender during this time period is very, is very specific. And so we wouldn't know how that would relate in modern terms. But anyway, William Dorsey Swan, Queen of Drag, and then keeps hosting balls until the 20th century. Like, he makes it all the way to, like, 1901, I think, before he starts sort of bowing out. Oh my goodness, I actually forgot. So, like, the cakewalk earlier that I was describing, it has sort of these... um janky movements, these sharp movements, and it's not dissimilar to voguing nowadays. So I thought that was like an interesting little tidbit for you. And so yeah, but back to this. So he's doing this up until like 1901, where he has to just kind of bow out, whether it was for health reasons or whatnot, we're not sure. Now two of his brothers had actually performed like in the balls doing drag, right? And one of them, Daniel, he continues to make, like, drag costumes, like, for about 50 years in total, I think, all in all. But yeah, up until he's, like, not really 
an active participant, William Dorsey Swan is still in the ball scene. He was hosting events and gatherings for the queer community in Washington, D.C. Like, he wasn't stopping, even though he knew the risks to him. Because this was his life. This was his people. And he wasn't going to stop for them. Now, eventually, Swan does move back to Hancock and Maryland, right? He goes back and that's him effectively retiring from the very drag scene that he created you know that he was either the founding or at least you know one of the pinnacle parts of and we don't really know much about the last 20 or so years of William's life and even the circumstances surrounding his death were not clear on Now, it could have been old age, it could have been his heart. We just don't have that information. Like, we don't even have an exact date of death either. We know it was roundabout, approximately, nearby, the 23rd of December, 1925. Now, part of me is like, it's good that we have some kind of idea, but I just wish we could give him the right date. I mean, I guess it's funny because we don't know his exact date of birth and we don't know his exact date of death, so it's like a weird, horrible poetry to it, I suppose. People always say that when something is similar one end to the other. It's like, there's like a poetry to it. Or, hear me out, it's just, you know, homophobes, racists, bigots, so on and so forth not wanting to let the information out to try and bury his memory, which is what they try and do, because he passes away at the age of 65 in Hancock, Maryland, right? And his body is cremated, whether that was his choice or the choice of officials or family members. Again, not not sure on that. But after he passes away, his house is levelled. And when I say levelled, it is burnt to the ground. Apparently, the destruction of property by way of fire is no longer arson if city officials are involved. Like, they are making sure to remove his home, to remove everything in it, artefacts, documentation, everything between, you know. And they are just shutting it down, hiding it. You know, they're trying to remove his memory, sort of information about him, his parties, his balls, his activism. But you cannot hide history forever and it is coming back for you. I told you we are out with the era of the pale and stale males controlling the narrative. And we are going to share stories. And we are going to tell the wonderful and awful and everything in between the actual history that we deserve to know especially by a pioneer and activist and fucking clearly amazing wonderful human like William Dorsey Swan the queen of drag now again if you liked my telling of this story Feel free to rate and review five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. 
I'm so happy to be able to share this story this month. You have no idea. I'm so, I'm so happy I got to do it. And I got to share this with you. I'm so, oh, I'm so happy. Um, You can follow me on the socials, message, connect, DM, comment on stuff, share stuff. Share this episode, actually, please, because I would appreciate it. It would very help, would it? It would very much help. This is why we don't record things in the middle of the night in a hotel room after traveling for basically three days. But we are getting through it. Okay, I'm going to do recommendation time now. So for watching, I'm going to recommend that you go on and watch the Gen Z Historian on TikTok. Because you just should. And I said so. Uh, for Because that's the whole point of this, isn't it? For listening, go listen to Redacted History because they're doing much more about this than I am. And again, I'm all about sharing and caring. So go listen to them. Feel free to tell them who sent you, because I'm cool like that. <laughs> but go listen, go listen to himself over there, he's fab. And finally, for reading, you know what you should read? You should read Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Like, it's a, it's a stellar book. It's very eye-opening. Go read it. It's, it's just a generally good idea for you. And I realised I kind of went more black-centric than I did anything else here in the recommendations. Um, I will have plenty of gay things to share throughout the month. Do not worry about it. I have you covered. Trust me. Trust me. Okay. But yes, now that we've gone through all that, I am going to wish you good night. Adios. Au revoir. Avoir de zen, my friends. Bye-bye.